Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Voice Hubs, a podcast on becoming your best self and embracing all seasons of life with open arms. This is your host, Vivian and Rowena. Hello, hello. Hello. In today's episode, we'll talk all about how to find and keep love in your romantic relationships, friendships, and even the most important relationship, the one that you have with yourself. It is the week of Valentine's Day, so a little reminder that your special someone can also be you. Okay, so we're recording this episode over a week before Valentine's Day. So Viv, do you currently have any plans for Valentine's Day? Is it even a thing in your relationship? Valentine's Day has never been this big holiday that I really, you know, we just like go out to dinner and stuff. But I do have a funny story. So my boyfriend this year, he, you know how it's been hard to like make reservations for restaurants. Mm -hmm. He told me last week, he was like, okay, so I made three different reservations and I'm going to let you choose the restaurant. And I was like, wow, okay. So he goes, okay, but two of them are actually on Sunday, February 13th. And then one of them is on Valentine's Day. And I look at him and I was like, bruh, Super Bowl Sunday is on February 13th. There is absolutely (laughs) no way you're taking me to dinner that night. You've been looking forward to this day all season. I was like, we're going to the restaurant on Monday. And he was like, yeah, Yeah. you're right. (laughs) So loves football and sports. James is currently in California and Rowena's in New York. So do you guys have plans this Valentine's Day? I don't know. So he's like, we usually make time to see each other i don't know try to like see each other once a month or once every Mm -hmm. two months but i was home for so long from december to january for maybe a total of like a month and a half that i i don't think i can go but maybe he'll come visit maybe not i think whatever happens at the very least we'll probably facetime and you know we do this thing where i'll order him dinner and he'll order me dinner 
and then he'll eat a little earlier since there's a three-hour time difference and then we'll just eat dinner together we light a little candle our favorite candle that we both have and we just enjoy each other's company but yeah i feel like the older you get the less it's it's not like the less important these dates are but i think it's i know this is so cheesy but it's like it's important to treat every day as if it were valentine's day and treat every time you guys facetime or every time you guys maybe do a date night treat that as this big holiday even if it's just any other day that is so cute that you guys order Mm -hmm. dinners for each other so do you choose what's on his menu and then he surprises you with what's on your menu yeah so we either surprise each other or just be like what kind of cuisine do you want and we'll just pick whatever we want and we think they'd like or sometimes it depends sometimes i'm just like tell me what you want and i'll get it for you other times like babe go downstairs food's ready (laughs) pick up your food from the doordash man (laughs) oh that's super sweet during a pandemic and long distance you have to get creative these are mostly james ideas so i'm grateful that so romantic gems yeah he's very sweet he's very sweet i'm very grateful okay i think this is a good time to segue into the question of today's episode this is from anna and she asked I've been reading up a lot about attachment theory and I feel like there's a lot around that building intimacy, toxic independence culture, etc. That's really relevant for a lot of people right now, especially with the pandemic. It's something that messes with my mind a lot as an avoidant. I'm naturally really scared of intimacy. I use distancing tactics like needing a lot of alone time, putting down my partner, being overly self-reliant to protect myself. I try to find ways to practice vulnerability, but it's hard because the closer I get, the stronger my urge to bolt, usually by convincing myself I'm young and just need to be single or we're just not soulmates. I think awareness is a great first step, but I'm struggling with concrete ways to heal that fear in me versus just trying to find ways to not trigger myself. And it's confusing because nowadays we're seeing a glamorization of being alone, marriage is a trap, being self-reliant equals a strong woman, etc., which all feeds into my natural inclination to only rely on myself and see partnership and intimacy as weak these are so many good points i'm so excited to unpack this yeah thank you so much to anna for this question we feel a good place to start would be to first unpack what are attachment styles so last year i read a book called attached the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love by amir levine and rachel heller and in this book they break down these different types of attachment styles You can kind of think of these as coping mechanisms, anxious, avoidant, and secure. So the anxious attachment style, their main focus and priority is to establish closeness. They often fear that their partner does not want to be close to them. So whenever there is a slight fluctuation in their partner's mood or something seems a little bit off, they're very sensitive to it. They tend to have spidey senses and they'll overanalyze everything and jump to the worst case scenario. So I myself, I have very strong anxious attachment style tendencies. When I sense that maybe my partner like needs space or time, I freak out a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, like what if we're what if we're gonna break up or what if like he's gonna leave? I just fear that my partner doesn't want to be close to me, but that comes with that attachment style. My boyfriend is also an anxious attachment style. And from the couple conversations I had, like a great example would be I just I'm living my best life. I forget to text him for maybe half a day. And the first text he'll send is, are you okay? 
and what he defaults to thinking is oh my god are we gonna break up because you're not texting me am i in trouble is this gonna be the end do i need to go back on dating apps <laughs> so this is like when we first started dating yeah they, it's, it's okay now <laughs> they assume they assume the worst case scenario is going to happen like we're gonna break up it's gonna be over Okay, so the second attachment style is avoidant. I think the driving force of avoidance, and I'm reflecting a lot on myself, is really to avoid pain or to be being let down or fear of being close to someone because that could bring up a whole nother thing of being like dependent on someone else when you should just, you know, you can't just depend and rely on yourself. You tend to learn to fend for yourself at a young age and project high self-confidence, acting unaffected if a partner comes and goes. And avoidant attachment styles tend to keep their partners at an arm's length because at any point, if they're far away enough, you can just cut it off and be like, I cut my losses, you know, that's fine. Just move on with my life. So this is Rowena in a sense that when something happens, I tend to run away first or I tend to need my space before I can come back and like really talk about it. And then we can unpack this later because I feel like as you get older, you become more anxious secure or you become more avoidant secure, which takes us to the third attachment style, which is secure. So for secure attachment styles, they tend to be a lot more warm. They're comfortable with intimacy. And so it's very easy for them to develop romantic relationships. They're just less overwhelmed when people withdraw or like activate or deactivate and they're able to communicate a lot easier. Something that's great about these attachment styles is that it's not fixed. It's something that you can grow and change over time. It's just like habits, you know, just recognizing and being more aware of what your tendencies are and what your end goal is. And so if your end goal ultimately is to be in intimate relationships, that is what we're striving towards using the knowledge of these attachment styles as a tool to help us get there. Mm. In previous relationships, given that I have more anxious tendencies, I always thought that I was very needy. Like I always wanted to talk to my boyfriends, to be near them, to spend time with them. And in a way, I felt like a burden and I felt like I had no chill. But after reading this book, there was a quote that I really resonated with. It was, most people are only as needy as their unmet needs. When their emotional needs are met, they usually turn their attention outward. This is the dependency paradox. The more effectively dependent people are on one another, the more independent and daring they become. And so after reading this book and also just being in a more secure relationship now, what I'm realizing is that in order to build intimacy, a lot of it is communication. And in order to communicate, a lot of it is understanding what your needs are and how you can communicate that with your partner. For example, when you have conflict with your partner, especially in the beginning of a relationship when you're like getting to know each other, you haven't had that many fights yet, but you're experiencing <laughs> like an uncomfortable conversation where you're trying to resolve mm -hmm. conflict. As someone who is more anxious, in the beginning of my current relationship, I would want to fix it. I'd be like, no, like we're going to talk about this now. Like I don't want to wait until tomorrow. And for my boyfriend who is on the opposite spectrum of being avoidant, he's like, no, trying to keep me at arm's length. Like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Like, I want to, you know, like, I just want to leave. And mm -hmm. so in the beginning, it was like, I would react and then get even more mad. Like, fine, if you want to leave, then 
the, the relationship it's over. Yeah, it's over. Like it's not gonna work out <laughs> being just so like dramatic and like protest behavior. But what I've learned is that once I recognize that, okay, my need is to establish closeness. The, the end goal is I just wanna be close to you. I just wanna have a close connection with you. And when I was able to communicate that to him, like, you know, I'm not trying to trap you. I'm not trying to suffocate you. I don't want to take your independence away from you. I don't want to feel like a burden. But the truth is every time you walk away or every time we leave a conversation this way, I feel this like, like I want to throw up. Like I don't, I don't feel good. And something as simple as like, I just need to go outside right now, take a walk. I will come back. I'm not going to leave you. That will go so far for someone who has an anxious style. And so that's what we started doing. Like it took a lot of fights. Like it took a lot of arguments to practice that. It's not going to happen overnight. Again, the end goal is you want to be close to someone. Both parties do. You just don't know how. Learning how to communicate that unmet need, once that need is met, you feel so much better. Like I don't get these panic attacks anymore because he's just learned how to communicate Mm -hmm. with me and I've learned how to tell him like what makes me feel a certain way so that you can ultimately become more secure. Like in the beginning when you would have these unmet needs, what would be some of your bodily reactions or like what would you feel (laughs) it was really bad like my palms get sweaty I kind of hyperventilate a little bit like shortness of breath it almost becomes this like obsessive like overthinking you're like not present at all like you're just only focused on reestablishing that closeness I can't focus on work Mm. I can't sleep this is more talking about like past relationships Mm -hmm. because I didn't recognize what I was needing in that moment. I then started feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm a crazy girlfriend. When in reality, when you meet someone who's able to recognize like, oh, Vivian's kind of freaking out right now. Let me just meet her halfway and be like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to leave. I just need some time. Mm -hmm. That calms you a lot more so that you never even get to that point of trying so desperately to reestablish being close. Yeah. But that is at its absolute worst. And I don't, I don't, haven't experienced that in a while. Thank goodness. But it's like really bad. (laughs) I feel like everything you just described in terms of how you feel and the way your body would react to something like this was actually something that helped me a lot when I was talking about communicating about how to communicate with James, where the first time this ever happened in the very beginning of our relationship, I forgot why I was upset, but I was upset. And I was like, you know what? I just need to take the day for myself and work on whatever I want to work on. I don't text him for maybe half a day. And because of time difference, it's already like 4 p.m. where I'm at. That's when he finally texted me. He's like, hey, are you okay? And the first text I respond with is like, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm reading. I'm doing all of these things. And he's like, oh, okay. Can we talk real quick? And I was like, yeah, of course. We hop on a call and he looks (laughs) miserable like boy looked like he just boy looked like he wasn't okay like he was not okay 
I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Are you fine? He's like, yeah, like I don't feel well. I haven't really been able to eat and like I feel like throwing up and I just, you know, it's just like what what is happening to him? Kind of like, you know, your sweaty palms and like the things you experience too. And it was in that moment where I realized what you do or you don't do can have such a huge impact yeah. on someone else that I was like, oh shoot, because I genuinely care about this person, even though I may have been upset or may have been mad, for me to not let him know or for me to not text him and for him to feel this bad, I want to work on myself and work on our communication to ensure that he never gets there again because yeah. I care about him. I don't want to be the cause of why anyone is feeling like that or like feeling not mm -hmm. good in general. Actually seeing the physical reaction someone may have helped me a lot. And then through that, as you said, it's like communicating about, okay, next time if I need space, I'll just let you know. I'm going to take some time for myself for the next couple of hours. Let's re connect at this time just so it's not this open-ended i'm going and never coming back possibility it's like a hey i just need some time and i'll be back so like don't worry i'm not leaving you yeah. and so i think knowing that about your partner and being able to communicate in that way it's like being more proactive i'm upset but i'm not that upset i'm not upset enough for you to like throw up and not <laughs> be able to eat so i'm gonna tell you i'm upset but i'm also gonna tell you that i'm not gonna leave you and that i still love you but yeah. i just need some space so yeah i think communicating is really important mm -hmm. truly i think that helps when you're dating someone who is anxious and has those tendencies of freaking out and needing a more constant consistent communication text can go a long way what about for someone who is on the opposite spectrum of being avoidant as an avoidant it's hard for you to get close to someone to allow someone into your world to depend on anyone else if you think about why we are the way we are in any aspect of our lives, it can usually trace back to childhood mm -hmm. or trace back to some events in your life where it made you make that defining decision that I'm no longer going to rely on other people because people are unreliable. I'm going to rely on myself. Like something must have happened along the way, whether you were hurt, whether you're disappointed, whether it was parents, whether it was childhood friends. No matter what it is, I think you can generally trace it back to something. I think for me, it was very clear when my sibling passed away that I was like, depending on someone is fleeting. People in general are fleeting. Life itself is fleeting. People can come and go as they choose, whether it is from their own choosing or whether it's like the universe deciding someone's going to all of a sudden, you know, take off and leave. Because of that, I felt this very strong, probably misguided urge to just fully rely and fully depend on myself. Yeah. Because that, to me, was the only person and the only thing that is reliable and that is in my control. So this happened around like my early 20s or like my late teens. And I think it's kind of carried on with me for the majority of my 20s up until I met James. And this is only something I recently realized and recently unpacked. We actually watched a drama called Our Beloved Summer. And the main character, the female character, she's textbook avoidant. Avoidant in a way that she really doesn't want to burden other people. And she feels like she has to shoulder everything on her own because again, she's the only person she can rely on. And there's a specific scene that just spoke to me so much. There may be spoilers. So if you guys haven't watched it, you might want to skip this part. Her grandma reaches out to her boyfriend and was like, my granddaughter has had a very tough life because her family's been having financial troubles. So she's never been able to rely on anyone. So please be that person that she can rely on because I'm not going to be around forever. Like the grandma was saying that. In that moment, I was just like, wow, 
the reason why I haven't been allowing myself to lean on other people and to rely on other people is that I fundamentally, I just automatically assume everyone's unreliable until my relationship with James. Over time, he's shown me that he's very reliable. He's always going to be there. I can depend on him. I can lean on him. It really may be through time, the past two years that I've known him, that he's been so grounded and so consistent that I realized like in that moment, I was like, oh, wow, I actually found someone who I can rely on, who I can open up to. I called him, like we said goodbye. I went to sleep. I kept thinking about it. And I actually called, I FaceTimed him after. I was just like, hey, I just want you to know that I'm very grateful that you've like, you know, like I've realized, like I'm very grateful that you have become someone that I can rely on. I mean, I don't know if that answers the question, but I think it's just really through time, finding someone who can be that person for you can help melt your icicle of a heart (laughs) and to allow yourself to open your heart to love and be loved again with anxious with avoidant it probably does all trace back to childhood where you were hurt or your needs weren't being met Mm -hmm. therefore you do this to protect yourself it's until you start trying to open yourself up and you meet someone who's there to help you on this journey whether it's friends whether it's parents whether it's romantic relationships whether it's yourself Mm -hmm. through time Time can heal all wounds if you let it and if you're being proactive or trying, as long as you're trying. I think like the takeaway that I got from what you shared is that one, it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And depending on how guarded you are as well, it's that awareness of first knowing where you taking inventory of where you currently are and keeping in mind like the end goal is you want to be with someone else like you want to have that connection so what are some concrete ways that I can try to open myself up I was talking to my cousin and she she identifies more with avoidant tendencies as well and she was telling me that in relationships whenever there is conflict or a fight her reaction is I don't want to deal with it right now so I'm not even going to say anything or I'm going to avoid the conversation altogether and I won't reach out learning now that that's not where she wants to be or like that's not how she wants to deal with it she's at a point where she might not be the first to reach out and resolve the conflict or initiate that conversation but she'll recognize that if someone else is making the effort to bring up that conversation she will do her best not to run away. So it's like taking baby steps. Right now, you might be in a place where you're still not willing to reach out your hand. But when you sense that someone else is trying to, maybe take a moment to pause and think like, okay, I usually do this. Why don't I try doing something different this time? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even yeah, I think that is to say that yes, James has been a grounded, secure, reliant figure in your life, but you also played a role in helping that relationship flourish by slowly opening up more. You know, that was your choice in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think even your cousin's example and my example, it's still showing on the spectrum of how avoidant someone can be we're still not as avoidant as maybe someone who's like super avoidant. Yeah, no, I have a friend who I think 
has very strong avoidant tendencies. I feel like she gets into relationships where like all of a sudden they're like, I want to marry you. <laughs> like, are you the one? And and then like immediately when she gets that, she feels like suffocated and she's like, uh, I don't really want to be, I don't really know. I need time alone. I need to be single. And then it's like now when you're approaching your 30s, you're like, I've been in so many relationships. There's like a pattern here. Is it me? Like, am I the one who's resisting these relationships or are these relationships like not good relationships? And I think that's the struggle with someone who is more avoidant because it gets confusing on was it me avoiding intimacy or is it actually that this person is not the one for me? And avoidance fall into that trap of picking at their partners because they don't want to be close. So they're like, oh, like, I don't like this one thing about you. So they fixate on that thing. And it's like, okay, you're not the one I'm going to leave now. Self-defense mechanism 101. Yeah. (laughs) As you're saying that, I actually realize I was an anxious avoidant at one point in my life. Everything you shared earlier about the physical reactions you would get and how you get tunnel vision and your relationship is all you can focus on. Mm -hmm. That was actually Rowena in college. I think because so much was on the line or I thought so highly of this relationship and I put it on a thousand pedestals if he didn't text me back right away or if he doesn't text me back for a day or whatever it's like the end of the world and i'm just i just go off thinking the craziest things like he must be with other girls and da 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 i think that's like textbook anxious too it's that yeah. you put someone else on a pedestal and you justify their actions sometimes mm-hmm. too because in the end you still want to be with them like you still want to establish that closeness but for both the anxious and avoidant attachment styles It's really taking inventory of where you currently are right now, right? I'm still learning how to communicate without the fear of like, if I say something, this person's going Mm. to think it's too much and leave. Whether or not my partner is anxious, avoidant, or secure, that struggle is still very internal like within me. I think talking to your friends can help too. Even between me and Rowena, Like I logically, like Hmm. I actually know Rowena's calendar is extremely busy. Even now, like when I text and the text is not responded right away, there's a a little part of me inside that's like, Rowena doesn't care. Rowena is like too busy for me. I'm not important. She doesn't want to do the podcast anymore. Yeah, she doesn't want to. She doesn't want to talk to me. She doesn't want to do anything with me. And then it's like I talk to you and I'm like, wait, that is definitely not what's going on in her mind at all. I've learned to communicate that with Ro, you know, like I've learned to say like, hey, Ro, when I text something and you don't respond for two days, I get in my head like James and I want to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. It's like not it's obviously not as intense, but learning how to communicate that and having that reassurance back goes a long way. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point where sometimes we feel that because we're this way in a romantic relationship this is the only area in our life where we can work on this thing when in reality I think it's actually a lot easier and it'll help ease you into practicing communication when you do it with the friend first especially with the friend that you trust and that you know will generally have your back I know sometimes I think it depends on honestly the relationships that you have for example with James it's very easy to talk to him so I'll just say whatever I need to say and then being able to communicate with such ease and with such positive response from James it's helped me be more of that in my friendships because it's like oh I can actually 
talk this way and someone who cares about me will respond positively. Let me try this in my relationships, right? So I think no matter what your situation is, if your relationships are more solid, trying to explore communication and friendships could potentially help open doors like, oh, wow, I can talk to my friends this way and communicate this way. Let me try to communicate this way to my partner and see how they'll respond. Mm -hmm. This is actually very interesting. The cultural influence of quote unquote toxic independence, glamorizing being alone, thinking marriage is a trap, being self-reliant equals a strong woman. What are your thoughts on this? And I guess how much independence and self-reliance is a good thing and when does it become toxic? When I first read this, the first thing I thought about was when I was young, I wanted to get married like pretty young. Like I was like, I want to get engaged by 26 and then be married by 28. After feeling like heartbroken from previous relationships, I was like, oh, I don't want to get married until I'm 35. Like I want to be single. I want to be like a strong, independent woman. I want to do things on my own, move out to LA. And even though I'm kind of, I'm at like the tail end of that, because obviously now I'm in a relationship and I'm finding that balance, it was quite tough because during the years where I wanted to be strong and independent there was a lot on just this overall movement in the last five ten years of women doing their own thing having their own career being self-reliant and so a part of me felt because i was needy because i was so dependent i wanted to be with someone else that i was considered weak and not necessarily a failure but just like i really really pushed myself to not need anyone else and looking back even though I'm very proud of the years where I was single and did my own thing it felt lonely Mm. now I'm realizing that I can be in a relationship and still do my own thing Mm -hmm. when you're able to find a way to do it together in a healthy supportive way you actually become stronger like you have the courage and the support to go out and be even more daring even more courageous thinking about just doing this podcast it was such a scary thing for me that if I was single and I I didn't have someone to talk to every night about my thoughts about it and for them to encourage me and support me I don't think I would be as grounded at this point you know like I think he plays a role in that too and so that's my personal experience with being a strong woman being independent and how that has kind of played out in the last five years i'm also very grateful and i guess proud of the time that i did spend by myself knowing full well Mm -hmm. that sooner or later i will find my person but because of past relationships and the way that i was and i'm okay with me being in a relationship or like because i was confident with rowena in a relationship i wanted to figure out who rowena was as a person the starting point of that while on the outside could seem like I'm super self-reliant and I'm super independent the core of that is really I just want to like who am I I felt like I lost touch with that which is why I spent so much time working on myself and it eventually led me to James and the relationship that we have now it's so honestly it's so wonderful and beautiful and I've learned so much about myself in the relationship that i couldn't have learned about myself while I was alone I think with anything in life whether you do something or you don't do something only we know ourselves while we're doing it Mm -hmm. if you know the reason why you're being a bit more independent or you're being a bit more self-reliant I think that's fine 
But I think it's when you take it to the extreme and you're like, everyone's doing this and maybe I should do that too. I think it's when your gauge turns from an internal thing to an external thing. To be independent, to be self-reliant, although you're not validating yourself, it's something you're doing for yourself. If you're doing this because other people are doing it and you see it as a trend and you feel like to be a strong woman, I need to be so self-reliant, this becomes an external thing where you're externally validating yourself because everyone's doing this, so I should do it too. So I think it just really comes back to yourself and your heart and where you are. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's just balance. <laughs> like it actually just comes yeah. down to balance because you can do both, right? It's not a either or. It's like you can be strong as an independent woman, but also be strong as a partner in your relationship. I think when it comes to things like marriage is a trap, I feel like it just comes down to personal values. If you value this union between two people, then it is something you're going to work towards. If it's not something you value, then you can think about it. External influences will be able to influence you a lot more. So as with everything we've talked about and the examples that I just gave, it's also taking a step back and asking yourself, what are my own values? What do I value in a relationship? Is marriage and is these things even important to me? If it is, then mm -hmm. carry on with your life and work towards that direction. If it's not, or if it's not yet, you know, there's another set of things that you can do to eventually work towards it or to just not think about it right now, but maybe revisit in the future. You know yourself where you are in your life right now. It's not a question that I think anyone else can answer for you because we're all such unique, beautifully independent and flourishing individuals going through many different seasons going through different chapters going through different full-on novels for Rowena when she was going through her legit single Pringle phase where she was not even dating like I literally did not talk to guys for five six years that to me was like very independent and very self-reliant and that was a good thing at that time mm -hmm. but the season that I'm in now is I still have my independence. I still can rely on myself because through that time, the five, six years, I learned that I can rely on myself. But it also taught me that you can also rely on other people and it's okay to open up your heart. Because <laughs> I think when I was going through those five, six years of independence, my heart was shut. It was like locked in a little cage. Yeah. Now that I'm in a relationship, it made me realize like, oh, to love and to be loved. And like, this is how you open up your heart. This is how you think about other people. This is how you can be more compassionate. And by learning about myself in this relationship, it's allowed me to be and to show up as a much better friend, a much better daughter, a much better person, and even like a creator, which yeah. is a beautiful thing. Yeah. I totally resonated. I resonated with everything you just said. <laughs> and it's just like we say in the beginning of all of our episodes, it's embracing all seasons of life with open arms even if you hate that season you don't really want to be in the season <laughs> it's like doing your best to move with grace and just accept your journey your place your time your season for what it is and just trying your best to continue you know keep your heart open as much as you can if it's not ready to be open it's okay revisit that later you will revisit that later because <laughs> in the end I think we all seek that love you know and I think that opening up your heart part the hardest thing to do actually is to open your heart up to yourself mm. once you're able to do that 
you'll be able to open up your heart in all the other relationships in your life. And this is something that we didn't get to talk about as much. Maybe we can do it in another episode. But those of us with these attachment tendencies, we also can do it to ourselves. Yeah. For example, Rowena ran away from herself her whole life and only started catching up the five, six years that she was single. So with all of these things, if you're avoiding yourself, if you're anxious about yourself, if you're secure with yourself, I think that all, to me, that is the core of these attachment styles. How you treat yourself will be how you treat other people. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much again to Anna for your question. If you guys have any other questions, if you guys have any specific situations that you guys would like advice from or just topics for us to talk about, shoot us an email to hello at voicehugspodcast.com. You can also DM us at voicehugspodcast on Instagram. And with that, enjoy your Valentine's Day week. Do something nice for yourself. Treat yourself out. Be good to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Have a you day. And we'll hear you in the next episode. Or you hear us. (laughs) Voice hugs. Voice hugs. Bye.